Golden Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another terrific Tuesday for Torch Report 395. Today, the WEF says more stick and less carrot. This year's Summer Davos party happens to be meeting over in China right now, and they're, uh, you know, you know the Chinese like to use the stick to beat the peasants into submission, so it's really quite ironic that the global elites, you know, they've openly declared China is the role model for the world. They've declared, you know, that that they want to follow in the footsteps of the Chinese Communist Party. And currently, the world's most powerful people are gathering over in China to discuss the need to use more stick and less carrot in their efforts to force the entire world into compliance with their radically unscientific environmental agenda. The title of their gathering over there today says it all. It says, how to stay within planetary boundaries, carrot or the stick. I mean, how do we save the planet? Do we use the carrot or do we use the stick? Reading from their de- this desperate description, they say, and I quote, the increasing impact of human activities continues to do irreversible harm to the shared resources our lives depend on. From the air we breathe, to the soil where we grow our food, to the fresh water that sustains our health, and the habitats that support a rich variety of life. Oh my gosh, what is needed to effectively change just safe and healthy future and induce desirable behavioral practices? Carrots or sticks? How are they going to get people to do what they want? Carrots or sticks? That's what they're asking. End quote, by the way. And... Before we get into this here, friends, I just want to offer a little top-line analysis, okay? The idea that scientists agree on any so-called planetary boundaries, that's just hogwash. Like, the planet can only sustain so much. They may believe that, but that doesn't mean that all the scientists agree with that. They're just making shit up. Pardon the French there. You know, the term is as arbitrary and subjective as the junk science behind the limits to growth, which the WEF and the Club of Rome have long been using to justify this desire to depopulate the planet. We've talked about this a lot. This is the root of the anti-human agenda. Few link- links in the report today, friends, uh, to Torch Report 284, the sinister, uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the WEF and the Club of Rome. We've got the sinister agenda of the global cabal. They're, they're just, it's all over the place. So, If you want to get into it, like I said, we talked about it at length, but getting into their report today, how to stay within planetary boundaries using the carrot or the stick. You know, they say that human activities are doing irreversible harm to the shared resources our lives depend on. And this, too, is nothing more than just nice sounding gibberish. Is it really irreversible harm? Really? Says who? You know, perhaps they've never seen that. Uh, the scientific projections in that that uh, History Channel series, Life After People, right? And they get the engineers together and they talk about what am I... I mean, we see ancient civilizations that have just been turned to dust. So how long would it take for life uh, as, you know, if, if humans just disappeared, what would life after people look like? How long before the planet reclaimed... Uh, society, essentially. Anyway, also, when they use the words shared resources, the language there is encoding the socialist principle that implies the need for the state 
to control the means of production. They want to control your food supply and your lifestyle to make sure you're using a consumable diet and you have consumable, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, let me try that again. They want to make sure you're eating only a sustainable diet and living only a sustainable lifestyle. That's the reality. In a similar fashion, you know, they're positioning the so-called net zero as the only viable solution. And that's just a very thinly veiled power grab. You know, in other words, strict government control over our lives is necessary for a just and safe and healthy future based on their bogus science and the bogus notion that we can remove enough CO2 from the atmosphere to offset human activity. It's just, it's stupid, friends. It's just, it's about as effective as mathematics and the fart of a dog. If you've been with me for a while, you know the reference there. We're going to break down some actual numbers at the end of the report here. But as I've said many times before, the environmental agenda is the one agenda to rule them all. The merging of public health and planetary health, this, which was catalyzed by COVID, this is central to the Great Reset. In all reality, it's the mental framework that they're using to justify enslaving humanity into the great inescapable global surveillance state under the auspice of saving the planet in the name of the greater good, as always. And there are two things that are important to point out here. One is the fact that these people actually believe what they say. They believe they have to take drastic action to save the planet. And two, uh, equally as important is the fact that they are convincing the masses that they have to take drastic action to save the planet. In fact, they've been institutionally indoctrinating and conditioning people for generations. This, uh, this conditioning the public really is conditioning the public to accept the insanity of all of the things they say they have to do to save the planet, always because we're destroying the planet if we don't. That's the assumption. Now, this particular aspect of the globalist agenda has been decades in the making, the environmental agenda. It's one part of the overarching agenda, but that's, you know, that's a big part of it. And at this point, the green agenda is already driving public policy really at every level of government, from the national to the state to the local level, all around the world. And it's also driving corporate policy through things like the ESG, environmental sustainable governance, et cetera. You know, and, and by driving government policy, by driving corporate policy, they are directing the flow of money straight into the coffers of the global elites. And this forms a circular pattern of influence that further consolidates power and control. It puts more and more power and control into the hands of the secret sociopathic global cabal who believes that they just don't need the majority of the human population. I mean, come on, they just don't need the majority of the human population, lest we forget at a WEF speech in Davos, they said, fast forward to the 21st century, and we just don't need the majority of the human population. Fast forward to the 21st century, we're here, baby, and we just don't need the majority of the human population, but who the hell is we? I kind of like the people that I know, and I don't know if I want to just go around eliminating people. You know what I mean? Like, how, what do you do if you just don't need the majority of the human population? They plan to proportion the population. At any rate, this uh, WEF's annual meeting, this one is called the Meeting of New Champions. It's the Meeting of New Champions, a.k.a. Summer Davos. Uh, it's in China. 
where the elites are discussing the need to use more sticks and less carrots. And, I mean, obviously the carrot and the stick phrase refers to rewards and punishments. But I, I was looking into that a little bit. And this phrase, the carrot of the stick, was first used by socialists, and then it was used by Nazis. And then that kind of prompted Winston Churchill to pen the words, by ever de every device, from the stick to the carrot, the emaciated Austrian donkey is made to pull the Nazi borrow up the ever-steepening hill. Those are the words of Winston Churchill. Always the poem, uh, uh, the, uh, the poetic, right? He's such a poet. Uh, but he's saying, listen, the Nazis are using the carrot and the stick. The socialists are using the carrot and the stick. And <clears throat> this guy named Richard Ackland, who's a very famous British guy, he was credited with using the phrase in the British House of Commons in 1920. That's kind of the first time it was on the record. It was all rooted in politics, but Richard Ackland says this. And this guy's a fascinating character. He's kind of this highbrow socialist reformer. And he wrote extensively on societal evolution and on a new international order, meaning a new socialist international order, communist international order. And his books offer a lot of insight into the globalist mindset. Anybody interested, I did put some links there. Uh, the Unser Kampf, which is an awful lot like the Mein Kampf, uh, and then the, the Forward March, and We Teach Them Wrong, and, and it's about indoctrinating kids and all this stuff. But I was digging through this stuff today. I was going, whoa, holy smokes, you know. Uh, Ackland writes, with regard to the formation of the 1920 League of Nations, says Richard Ackland, he says, he asked the question, how can we persuade humanity to accept the whole of our plan? Okay, 100, over 100 years ago, here's this socialist player. And I mean, he's a high rally, he's a high thinker, right? And he's thinking, he's saying, how can we persuade humanity to accept the whole of our plan? He was a visionary, albeit, you know, hopelessly lost in his own mental world, as all socialists are. He was a thinker, but he fails to reconcile this grand vision of common ownership, meaning abolition of property rights. The state owns everything. Okay, he he can he's envisioning this at the international level, and he he thinks it's going to be great if we could just get everybody to do it. We had to use the got to use more stick and less carrot, right? But he doesn't reconcile the factual facets of human nature that inevitably stump any kind of socialist scheme. There's a reason why it fails. It's because it's incongruent with human nature. Nevertheless, he was advocating for using more stick than carrot, you know, precisely because the peasants are so wholly incapable of doing what is in their own best interest. So you can try to incentivize people, but at some point you're just going to have to beat them with a stick to get them to do what's in their own best interest, let alone act in the best interest of the collective common good. So he believes that over time, the masses could be persuaded and taught to identify as international citizens, adopting the cosmopolitan perspective. Now we've talked about this cosmopolitan perspective, but if we can persuade everybody to identify as international citizens and you know do that by intentional education on internationalism, which is his term, what would be globalism now, uh, and, and do this using these educational experiments, i.e. you know, commie infiltration of the education system. Anyway, friends, the, the overlap between what this guy was saying, his thinking, the modern progressive education system, and the UN's broader 
adaptation agenda, the overlap is remarkable. And I think it offers a very prime example of the infectious ideology that continues to permeate the global elite to this day. It's the, it's the infection of the hive mind, the mimetic mental virus, the woke mind virus, okay? And just to kind of demonstrate how front and center these concepts are today, from over 100 years ago, mind you, uh, carrot and the stick, as they're talking about that, those words come from a socialist, you know, and the Nazis and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, that, so that goes back into history, but bringing it right back to today, to, uh, taking a screenshot here from the World Health Organization's website this morning. Friends, if you're listening on a podcast platform, please know you just have to go to thetorchreport.com and check out Torch Report 395. And you will find this spiffy screenshot of uh, the Ethiopian, you know, commie revolutionary over here, the radical uh, Jabrizius is his name, and some other schmuck. Anyway, the, the WHO and Global Citizen Group have signed a partnership to promote health, to fight inequity, and address health-related risks of climate change. It's, I mean, it's put it all together, you know. <clears throat> but together, the WHO and the Global Citizen Organization are undertaking global advoca advocacy initiatives to advance the priorities and objectives of the WHO's programs, health-related aims of the Sustainable Development Goals, etc., uh, now, they're addressing the deep interconnected interconnectedness between climate change and health and other related subjects. That's what they say right on their website there. Now, you get, uh, you get Richard Ackland saying, you know, how can we persuade humanity to accept the whole of our plan? Well, you get the World Health Organization trying to immunize the whole of humanity against misinformation. You get them partnering with these NGOs called like the Global Citizen Organization, and they're pushing this, you know, they're, they're prioritizing these initiatives and advocacy to advance the priorities and objectives of the globalists, okay? And so we see right there, front and center, the effort to persuade every person on the planet to accept the whole damn plan. Now, note the words, the deep interconnectedness between climate change and health. You know, that is their key to duping the masses. That's why it's the one agenda to rule them all. We got to save the planet. You got to be a good human to save the planet. Uh, but it's not just duping the masses. It's especially duping our national and local level leaders, people that, who are getting elected to represent the will of the people. They're not representing the will of the people. They're acting on the initiatives that are being advocated from on high, which Brings us back to the WEF's annual meeting of the new champions, the AMNC, and their discussion on using the stick to beat humanity into compliance. Now, the AMNC is supposedly squaring off with the, what they call the existential fight to restore nature by making some absolutely farcical claims. Namely, and I quote, reading from the WEF website on the forum for the existential fight to restore nature, they say, I quote, as humanity's resources, uh, and I'm sorry, as, pause, repeat, as humanity's resource use continues to surpass planetary boundaries. See, they use the same words again, planetary boundaries. Those boundaries don't exist except for in their minds. As humanity's resource use continues to surpass planetary boundaries, 
wildlife populations have declined by an average 69% in the past 50 years. About 40% of global land is degraded, and the equivalent of 27 football fields of trees is cut down every minute. Oh, my God. What are they saying here? They are saying that life as we know it right now continues to surpass planetary boundaries. They're stating that as a fact, even though it's a farce. Those are the invisible boundaries, just like the invisible enemy. Now, evidently, we've blown right past these invisible boundaries, these planetary boundaries, and apparently we have been for years. I mean, how terrible. Can you imagine the horror of it all? You know, wildlife populations have declined 69% in the past 50 years. Cue the record scratch. You know, gosh, you know, who the hell believes this crap? Does anybody in their right mind honestly believe that seven out of 10 wild animals have died in the last 50 years. That's 69%, okay? Seven out of 10 wild animals have died in the last 50 years? That's utterly ridiculous. But they believe it, okay? Now, put the emphasis on the, the restore part of their title, that they're, they're the existential fight to restore nature, okay? Here we find the justification for government control over all of the land. To restore nature, they have to control nature. And more specifically, they have to, to restore nature, they have to keep human beings away from nature. They have to keep us in sustainable cities where we can't get out of the city and there's, you know, there's these corridors and everything else is reserved pristine and all of that. And it serves two purposes, friends. First, it keeps people ignorant to the vastness of the natural world. The world is a great big place. And the second thing is it keeps people ignorant to the realities of nature. Now, both are necessary to keep people ignorant to the vast natural world and to keep people ignorant to the realities of nature, that's necessary to keep people domesticated enough to accept their servitude in the techno-dystopian hell they call future Earth. This, too, we have discussed at length. Uh, I put a link there in the report today, Torch Report 114, following the money to future Earth. There are many other reports in the archives referring to future Earth, but that's the first one there. So I, and I, that was back May of last year. So over a year ago, reporting on this, we've been talking about it for over a year. So with that said, friends, math matters. Math really matters. And I'd like to wrap up this report today by demonstrating just how warped this entire mindset is. The entire environmental agenda is entirely detached from reality. And I'm going to prove it to you here irrefutably. The only people who believe the BS are the useful idiots who don't know any better and also the brainwashed morons, you know, the educated idiots who lack the true intelligence or the curiosity to ask even the most basic questions. Is the world really overpopulated? Is the world overpopulated? Isn't it fair to ask that question? So how do we know? Let's see. You know, let's consider the population density. There's 8 billion people on the planet, but how, you know, how do we fit it all together? I like to say, you know, consider the population density, say, of the 10 most dense cities in the world, like the most, you know, you know average urban density. And I got a little chart here. You can see it's highlighted. You do a little bit of math. Average urban density is about 21,312 people per square mile. Run a quick conversion. You end up with 55,197 people per square mile. So average urban density of some of the biggest cities in the world 
is about 55,000 people per square mile, okay? And for the record, for the record, there are 268,596 square miles in the state of Texas, okay? So if, if, you, if you say there are 268,000 square miles in Texas, and you times that by 55,000 people per square mile, what you come up with is the fact that Texas could theoretically fit almost 15 billion people, okay? Mind you, the current human population is only about 8 billion people. So tell me about overpopulation again. I mean, you can fit almost 15 billion people in the state of Texas based on the average population density, okay? Now, we can also come at this from another angle here, not to dork out on the numbers too much, but if you take the total number of people on the planet and you divide it by the average urban density, that would tell you what's the, how much space do you need to fit people, right? So you take 8 billion people and you divide it by 55,000 people per square mile. 8 billion divided by 55,000 and change, right? And you come up with, you need about 145,000 square miles to make room for everybody at average urban density. That means that you need, you know, about half the state of Texas, okay? 145,680 square miles to fit every person on the planet at average urban density means that it would only take up about 54.2%. So 54% of the state of Texas to fit all the people on the planet. And you'd still have room to grow crops and the rest of the planet wouldn't have a footprint on it. So what's the lesson here? Luke, what's the, what the hell are you talking about? Get to the point. Here's the point, friends. The global elite want total control and they're lying through their teeth to get it, period. That's just that simple. And thus, friends, we, the ignorant peasants of the world, need to remind our enlightened leaders that we want to live free and be left alone. And in order to communicate that message effectively, it might be high time we use a little more stick. At least we could tell them we're just following their example, friends. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to find that little heart on the Substack app or the website. Click the heart and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. If you know somebody that thinks the world is overpopulated, share Torture Port 395 and just tell them, listen, you could fit all the people in the world in the state of Texas and you still have half the space left to grow crops. All right, that's it, friends. Get out there and embrace the rest of this terrific Tuesday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.